Global law and global business go hand in hand, but never seem to keep pace with each other. BRICS and other developing and developed nations wax and wane in their importance on the global stage, while consumption and interconnectedness both increase. Laws and regulations change incessantly, requiring businesses to stay nimble. How do we make sense of it all? Welcome to Global Law and Business, hosted by Harris Brickens International Business Attorneys. I'm Fred Rockefort. And I'm Jonathan Bench. Every Thursday, we take a bite-sized look at legal and economic developments in locales around the world as we try to decipher global trends in law and business with the help of our international guests. We cover continents, countries, regimes, governance, finances, legal developments, and whatever is trending on Twitter. We cover the important, the seemingly unimportant, the relatively simple, and the complex. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Please connect with us via email and social media to comment and suggest future topics and guests. We are joined today by Ophir Angel, the chairman of Oren Israel, the Israeli office of the international leading consulting firm Oren. The firm is one of the top 20 consulting firms in the form of firms, FOF, under the restricted professional standards of the International Federation, IFAC. Ophir is also the chairman of Antia, an international alliance of independent firms, with a global spread of 300 offices in more than 70 countries around the world. The firm helps businesses with business development, technology, marketing and sales, finance, accounting and audit, and international taxation. Ophir is a certified public accountant and an international and Israeli taxation expert, and he assists clients with tax consulting, accounting and audit, and business development. His clients include commercial and industrial companies, family businesses, self-employed businesses, governmental institutes, public organizations, and nonprofit organizations. Ophir also holds an MBA and is a certified information security manager and a certified information systems auditor. He frequently lectures at international conferences in Europe and Israel, on international taxation, management, and business. Ophir, thank you for being with us today. Hi, Jonathan. Uh, thank you for hosting me. Ophir, welcome to our podcast. Uh, if we could, um, let's get things started by having you describe your career path and having you discuss your own experience as an entrepreneur. Mm, okay, great. Um, Fred, I, I started my, let's say, professional life uh, in the field of uh, taxation, local taxation in Israel, and following that with uh, an international taxation, um, trying to get to the global activity and the international activity, that was my aim. Uh, during the years, I also uh, involved myself in, in innovation and in uh, all kinds of startups, some of them related to service providing and some of them related to technology. Um, but uh, all the things that I've done during my uh, career until today was aiming to the target of, of assisting companies, increasing their profit, profit and increasing their uh, company value. Um, also internally and also uh, for clients. Um, in the last decade, I think that my, my focus was in the international activity, uh, taking our family firm that my father established uh, to the international field from, let's say, being focusing on taxation and, and accounting to become uh, a global international uh, consulting firm. 
Um, in the last more than more than more than ten to twelve years, we we joined uh, our international, and actually this is our role today in Israel, uh, providing services for uh, companies that want to improve their bottom line and improve their their uh, company value by uh, giving a, a multidisciplinary. Um, assistance with a big team of consultants that assist company through several directions, not only from the eyes of taxation and accounting, knowing that this is probably the right way to assist companies today in the world, in this uh, fast-changing, agile world uh, of business today. So, yeah, this is the basically. So what's happening in the Israeli business world right now that we should be aware of? Well, let me give you two main points regarding the, the Israeli business world today. First of all, from the economic uh, point of view, I think that in the last two decades, Israel became a very solid and stable place for uh, investors and entrepreneurs. Uh, in Israel, you will have a, a very solid and very strong banking system. Uh, money laundering uh, uh, legislation very very severe and and uh, which is is good for the system and actually a free economy with a very competitive internal market focusing on uh, innovation creation of knowledge r and d's and you may find quite a lot of Israeli business people, I think this is the majority of them are focusing on on international opportunities. Uh, because Israel is, let's say, an island, uh, economic island in the Middle East, uh, I think that all the Israeli business people understand that uh, opportunities is in connection in, with, with the international world. I think that it was been already this, this way for the last several decades, and, and now it's proving itself. So the economics is very stable and very solid for the last years, not influenced from the international, uh, let's say, challenges of the world. Uh, this is, let's say, the basic uh, situation. Currently today, uh, due to the coronavirus and the COVID-19 crisis, uh, I think that there is an influence, but not a severe one, meaning that internally the economy, uh, we are suffering currently from high uh, unemployment rate, uh, but it's supposed to be only, let's say, for several months or a year from now. Uh, but basically, the government continue investing quite a lot of money in the market. Uh, when quite a lot of uh, budget are uh, directed to uh, infrastructure projects, which uh, might be good for the economy and for entrepreneurs and for investors to continue uh, pumping the economy forward and, and uh, um, to continue growing in Israel, although the corona situation is, is controlling the globe. And um, I think that it's generating also quite a lot of uh, business opportunities. I can tell you, let's say, about two main focuses of our activity here in our in Israel uh, regarding business opportunity. The first one is, as I mentioned, since the government is is uh, budgeting uh, quite a lot of uh, of uh, infrastructure projects. Uh, we are talking about in Israel. It's it's 
big amounts of money. We are talking about two billion, 200 billion shekels, the budget of the last year, and the upcoming budget supposed to be approved of all, over more, over 400 billion shekels for the coming year. So this is a huge amount of money that the government investing in the in the country in infrastructure project, which is generating quite a big opportunities for investors and for international companies uh, to join this uh, celebration of of, uh, of uh, tenders that the government is offering. Usually, it's a good opening door for U.S. companies. Uh, to do some activities in Israel. Uh, we are talking about generally uh, three to seven years projects. And as my experience, uh, a lot of European and US companies are, are, are getting into the market because of that. Uh, they have an advantage of being international companies, coming with a resume and uh, with experience of big projects, which Israel is lacking because the country is small and bring their technology using uh, uh, um, um, sometimes engineers from Israel, but coming with the knowledge and the ability to do those projects. So this is one of a good opportunities for, for companies coming from abroad. And another focus on, on US companies that they have also advantages in several of the tenders that the government is offering because uh, the government is obligated to spend part of the budget on U.S. companies because of, of uh, getting some of the budget from uh, support supported by the U.S. Uh, government to Israel. So you can find all kinds of uh, homeland security, military, industrial energy, and uh, infrastructures like roads and tunneling that the government is obligated to choose American companies in some of them which again, it's a quite a good added value uh, or advantage for those companies coming from the US. Uh, so basically this is one good opportunity that I can uh, explain. And the second one is the advantage of uh, Israel in the field of life, life science, which life science is, is quite a big area of uh, expertise starting from agrotech, food tech, and uh, at the upper hand you have satellites and uh, um, all kinds of uh, technologies uh, generated uh, systems. So Israel is very experienced in that field. You have quite a lot of R&D, uh, research and development uh, um, uh, uh, companies here. All the main companies in the world, also the, the U.S. companies, are having a branch here in Israel to develop uh, the technology. And I think that the world come to the understanding that Israel is, let's say, the second, uh, second Silicon Valley of the, of the world, or at the very least of, of the Middle East. So they have their eyes focusing on that. And we are assisting quite a lot of companies coming to Israel, trying to do some joint ventures, invest, buy out the, the technology uh, to shorten time to market uh, procedures in, 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 in their factories, in their companies, and maybe win the competition uh, with the Israeli technology. So generally, those are, I think, two good opportunities for investors and, and foreign companies coming to Israel, infrastructure and uh, life science. It's very interesting to hear what you just described, uh, specifically 
the part about uh, Israel uh, being required or Israeli companies being required in, in some instances to to at least give uh, a preference to U.S. companies. That that's very interesting. I, I was I was not aware of that. I I know that, for example, here in the U.S., in in some cases there there are requirements uh, to to choose American companies. Certainly, uh, in in the case of of government procurement. So that's very interesting and obviously a, a huge advantage to to U.S. companies entering the the Israeli market. Um, shifting uh, away from from Israel itself and, and looking more at at your work generally, could you describe just how important international tax considerations are for companies when they're doing business around the world? Well, Fred, um, uh, usually when you are doing local businesses, you are getting the assistance of local professionals. Uh, once you are heading out to the international market, uh, usually most of the business people that I meet are not familiar with the international taxation or international legislation of company, corporate uh, legislation and such. And basically they need to get the assistance of someone who specializes in the international activity. Um, and also to get people from the local country that you want to do business in, uh, where you're heading to, because usually also the mentality is, is different. And, and this is influencing your, your, your ability to, to succeed in, 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 in international activity. Uh, the taxation, I think, is, is uh, to my opinion, and this is the reason that I chose this uh, professional uh, profession, um, Usually when we are coming to, to discuss international activity, we are asking three main questions um, from the tax legal point of view. We're asking our clients, where is the money coming from? Investors, capital, who's the shareholders? What are you going to do with the money? What kind of project? What is your business plan? And at the bottom line, where is the money supposed to reach in the end? Dividend, transfer of profits, exit, uh, uh, whatever is is your plan. So where it's coming to from, what are you going to do with the money, and what is your target? And uh, and to understand that, we are usually examining six, somewhat six, yeah, six uh, basic uh, uh, tax legislation, international taxation. First of all, we are checking uh, the double tax treaty, the multi. Uh, multi-territorial tax treaties sometimes, because if there is several countries involved, we need to check, you know, let's say, the like multiply double tax treaty. Second is uh, the regime of, of uh, corporate tax and dividend tax, employees tax. Third is the VAT, which is usually neglected because it's considered local tax, but once you are doing international business activity, you need to consider the other side VAT. Uh, we are considering uh, customs, uh, intellectual property taxation, and last but not least uh, is the old e-commerce and newcomers uh, taxation starting from blockchain, currency, and up to blockchain logistics and other e-commerce and newcomers uh, activity and taxation that you're aware of. All those uh, field of taxation, as I mentioned, six fields of taxation, are overall given an impact of about 50%. 50% or let's say this is the exposure that if you are not having a proper tax planning, 
you might suffer sometimes even a little bit more 52 or 53 percent at least uh, when you are doing some business activity with israel on the other hand if you are having a, a, a good tax planning you can minimize that to let's say several percentages of taxation uh, i can tell you that the majority uh, activity that our clients have uh, from the u.s in israel and back forward um, they are reaching an average tax uh, implementation of between 20, around about 20% um, tax. So you can see that the, the impact of, of international tax planning is tremendous. It's huge. It's sometimes the, the difference between having a profit and having a loss or in the good situation, instead of having a profit of 50%, you might have a profit of 70 or 80%. So it's, it's quite significant. And so do you find that that is the case in most industries in any given business deal, uh, regardless of where, uh, you know, which countries are involved and which industries are involved, that the proper tax planning can, can save, you know, 10, 20% on the overall deal? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm, and then when I'm talking about tax planning, I'm not talking about tax avoidance. I'm talking about legit, legal tax planning. That if you are considering that and checking everything in both sides of of in both countries, including international activities, usually you can find yourself with let's say round about saving twenty to thirty percent. Uh, of, of, of non-planned taxation. So it's quite significant R worldwide. I can tell you that our experience is uh, with majority of countries in, in Europe, uh, America, US and, and uh, South America, and also with Asia. Uh, it's, it's quite significant, yes. So let's turn back and focus on Israel again for a minute, because um, Israel and the United Arab Emirates just announced a, a peace deal. Can you tell us how significant that peace deal is for establishing diplomatic relations between those countries? What, what will that what will that do for them economically and, and uh, from a security perspective? Well, first of all, any peace process, any peace uh, peace activity in this region is is uh, you know personally everybody is very happy with that. Um, from the business point of view, I can tell you that in the last several years, we already had a business uh, activity and connection with the Emirates and other countries in the area. Um, but the challenge was that it's supposed to be discreet. We have a business connection. Israeli uh, business people are doing, uh, already been done, uh, business activities with the Emirates. Uh, mainly with Dubai and uh, Abu Dhabi. Uh, basically, we were doing that by uh, not a very uh, complex tax planning or structuring planning uh, through Europe companies. Uh, this is the majority of activities, so uh, we already have been doing that. The main difference is now that it can be done out in the open, and I suppose that quite a lot of companies will... Uh, go to that direction which was officially closed until today and it was discreet. Um, there is quite a lot of topics that are uh, mutual for the Emirates and for Israel. As I mentioned, life science, technology, which uh, we know that in the last years, uh, United Arab Emirates tried to invest quite a lot in those fields. 
maybe to have some kind of uh, um, to change the, the let's say economic uh, power from oil to technology and uh, i do believe that they are investing quite a lot and uh, obviously succeeding in that and this is something that's very common to israel and and to the emirates uh, uh, that direction of technology and innovation and uh, i think that israel could be a very good partner for that and i do believe that this is already going on i think that i can tell you that uh, only in the last two weeks from the announcement which is not signed yet but already from the announcement we got quite a lot of of uh, uh, referrals uh, coming to us asking uh, to establish connection to check the market and luckily for us in our end uh, and in antea our network we have a partner in in uh, dubai which we are already uh, in the last year already uh, in quite a lot of connection. So now it will be only increased. And uh, I think that we are all very excited about that and very happy. And keep in mind that it's a good opening door, not only for the Emirates. It's a good opening door also for other countries in the region that still are hesitating or waiting to see the development, uh, the economic development of both countries. Well, Fear, that, that actually provides a, a perfect segue for, for our next question. Um, could you perhaps speculate a, a little bit about other countries that might follow the UAE in establishing formal diplomatic relationships uh, with, um, with Israel and perhaps uh, at a, I guess also there might be countries that don't have those um, relationships already, those business relationships, sorry, but might might take that 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 first step as well. So so I, I, the way I see it, there could be two things happening, right? You might have countries that already have the developed business relationship taking it to the next level. And meanwhile, there might be countries that perhaps at the moment have no relationships with with Israel, but might say, okay, look, um, maybe, maybe we can start at least tentatively uh, exploring uh, what, what, what we can do in, in terms of business. Um, and related to all this, what about the relationship with Iran? Where do you see that going forward? Well, Fred, I think that, let me start with the, the, the last point of your question. Uh, the relationship with Iran from uh, economic point of view, unfortunately, is, from Israel point of view, is not going anywhere, probably. Uh, because there is no no signs of of willing to compromise uh, in in the political point of view, but as I, I, I usually I'm not I'm not taking notes regarding the political point of view. I'm leaving that to the experts, the politicians. Uh, but from the economic point of view, I, I, it's not influencing Israel in any matter or any any situation because uh it's it's been done already the the relationship the is like the same for the last several decades and and it's not influencing uh, in the other hand sometimes i think that it's it's uh, challenging the israeli economic community uh to to grow outside of the middle east and this is part of the i think advantages or added value of the israel uh, economy uh, the fact that it was an island from the beginning, it's a democracy in the middle of the Middle East, and that Israel was obligated to generate right from the start uh, our economic relationship with Europe, America, and Asia. 
And I think that the, stru- the, the base of the Israeli economy is structured on those connections and, and the understanding that Israel itself is a small market. And in, in that case, uh, all the activity, uh, I think that all the, the, the factories and the, and, and the industrial activity in Israel is focusing on exporting knowledge and sometimes goods, but mainly knowledge outside of Israel, abroad. So uh, this situation with, uh, the let's say, uh, those countries in the Middle East that are not looking for peace activities is not influencing for the best, but those who are going to uh, any peace process or on any normalization of activity, that might bring more prosperity to both countries. The, the first one, or let's say after Jordan and Egypt that are already having a, a good good commercial activity with both of them. Now I'm happy to, 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 to see that uh, United Arab Emirates uh, joined. My, my understanding um, that probably uh, Qatar will join following that might be uh, Yemen and Saudi Arabia. Those countries, let's say, already have non-official uh, commercial relationship, and we are looking forward to, to, to them to join. Probably it will be step by step. Each country will want to see that the first one or the second one succeeding. But from, let's say, personal and economic commercial point of view, I have no doubt that it will bring uh, prosperity th- f- to all the region. Uh, if I, I, I remember uh, late Prime Minister uh, Shimon Peres, that was his dream. His dream was saying, okay, this is supposed to be a new Middle East that will allow Israel to go out of the island situation and to, to have commerce with uh, the near partners and the near neighbors. And that's supposed to be a very positive uh, note for the Israeli uh, growth in the coming years. So therefore, we are quite uh, excited and looking forward to that. Ophir, we've very much enjoyed having you with us on the show today. Uh, We always like to close each episode with recommendations from you and from us, something that our audience could read or listen to or watch. And in your case, it could be uh, something regarding Israel business, international business, anything else. Uh, uh, You've been doing business for a long time and certainly Uh, we would love to hear what you have to recommend to us in that regard. Great, Jonathan. So let me give you two two points of uh, recommendation. First of all, regarding those or the listeners that want to do some business activity in Israel or with Israel, uh, let me humbly uh, offer them uh, to take a look in our uh, blog, in our website, uh, Our in uh, Israel, uh, probably you will find from time to time updates regarding business activity, uh, new uh, opportunities, and uh, I think that might be interesting. Um, the other point is, well, might come as a surprise to you, but um, I, I would like to uh, and, uh, recommend the listeners regarding the field of mindfulness. I'm not sure that uh, all, all of them heard about that. It's quite... Uh, it's not. It's already not new. The field of mindfulness, but uh, I've been, uh, let's say, studying and practicing mindfulness for the last uh, several years, and in the last two years, we are uh, integrating mindfulness inside our business activity internally in our one, and also in uh, the activity consulting activity with our clients. Uh, you can find quite a lot of of. Uh, uh, 
of articles and uh, you can listen to YouTube and TED uh, lectures regarding mindfulness and business activity, which is very interesting to see how it's assisting uh, the business uh, community and companies around us to, to generate, uh, again, more profit, more, uh, more uh, value for the company, but by, uh, let's say, a positive uh, direction of, of uh, um, growing the person. So I can, I can recommend on, on one book, very good book that I read recently. It's also, I think, uh, published in, in uh, Amazon. So you also can hear that. It's called uh, Mind Time, how, to, how 10 Mindful Minutes Can uh, Enhance Your Work, Health, and Happiness by Michael uh, Chiskloson. I'm hoping that I pronounced that correctly, but no doubt if you print Mind Time in, in, in Google, you'll find that it's a very, I think, interesting book about uh, mindfulness. And then you can do some extra reading regarding how to combine and, and uh, to enter mindfulness to your business activity. Uh, we got quite a good feedback in the last two years that we are conducting that in Israel for our clients. And uh, it's, it's, it's proving to be a very positive uh, direction. So that's, let's say, my personal recommendation for the listeners. Very good. We appreciate that. Fred, what do you have for us? Well, first of all, just a general recommendation closely, closely tied to the topics we've been discussing, or at least some of them. Um, when, when you look at Israel's history with, um, with its neighbors, uh, there's there's a lot of interesting stories that um, might might not be that that well known. For example, I think now with with everything that's happening with the UAE, uh, people are are free to talk, and now we're we're really finding out what how deep the the business relationship is. Um, but if, if you were to look at other other countries, uh, you would also find um, perhaps surprising bits of, of, of history. So um, I, was, I was reading a little bit about the relations between Israel and Pakistan, and, and there was a lot um, that I didn't know about, about that, um, but both in terms of, um, I guess the, there was a time when, when the relationship was, was rather acrimonious, and then actually things started moving in, in the opposite direction. So that was kind of interesting. So again, no specific recommendation, um, just, you know, if you're bored one day, want to take a look on, on Wikipedia, this is, uh, or, or, or the internet generally, I, I find this to be a, uh, an interesting subject. Um, and then uh, as far as uh, a more formal recommendation, since, since we, you know, since, since we are talking about Israel, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and recommend one of my favorite uh, Netflix series. And, and I would actually love to hear uh, a fierce opinion about it because obviously I come at it from a totally different perspective. Um, I'm sure Israelis have, have their own opinions uh, about it. And, and of course, those, those, are, those opinions are, are much more valuable than, than my own as an outsider. But there, there's a, a Netflix series called Fauda. Uh, I know a lot of people have have picked up on it uh, uh, here in the U.S., but at the same time, I think it's still it's still relatively unknown. I still I still run across people that that haven't seen it, and I guess there's uh, from what I've read, there's some debate about the the politics and portrayals. But if you're just gonna 
break it down to to the most basic level, right? I think it's it's very well produced, uh, fantastic acting. Um, interesting tidbit: the the main actor used to be Arnold Schwarzenegger's bodyguard. Um, he, he's an Israeli, and um, uh, I just I just really enjoy it. Uh, I, I guess um, there's uh, you know if you're if you start looking into it a little bit more deeply, I guess that's when people might have uh, different views about it. But in, in terms of its entertainment value, I find it I find it to be uh, very well done. Um, so so again, the the name of the of the series is is called uh, Fauda. Uh, and Ophir, if, if if you'd like to jump in and, and and share your 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 views about it, uh, please please do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Fred. Well, I think that this is a great TV series by by Netflix, uh, Fauda. Uh, it's it's uh, full of action, and uh, those of us who, who love this this kind of genre, I think that will be addicted to that. And unfortunately, it's describing, uh, uh, let's say, not very imaginary uh, situations in the area. So, uh, and, and, and this is only the movie, you know, sometimes uh, the real life is, is uh, more challenging and harder than the movie. But I think that uh, one of the interesting things in, in this uh, TV show is uh also in Fauda, although you have a lot of action and politics that people might think that is not accurate or more accurate than, than other, but I think that the main thing that you can learn that we are talking about people. Uh, if you are putting aside the politics, this is people that have lives, and it's, it's interesting to see that also friendships coming out of both parties and both sides. And uh, I can tell you that uh, in, in real life, quite a lot of, of uh, personal and business activity has been done between the sides and the parties because uh, it's easier to people to, to get to a peace process than the politicians. So I, I'm hoping, hoping that the politicians will, will be in courage of, of uh, uh, the activity that uh, they seeing uh, by the people, because you know it's it's two nations who are living together. It's uh, neighbors. Uh, sometimes we are working together. We have partners inside Israel that some of them are uh, Jewish, Muslim, Christians, Arabs, and other nations and other Arab religions. So I think that this is the the best thing that I can tell you about this movie that you can see the actual. Um, uh, human relationship uh, between the parties. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's better. But I think this is uh, the, the hope for the future. And uh, as you mentioned, no doubt that if I'm, I'm relating that to the business world and, and what is happening with other countries, Arab countries around Israel, uh, you do see that if you are leaving the people to live together, they will find a common ground. They will do business together. They will have the life uh, positively uh, going to the right direction. Uh, so, yeah, again, a great series, and uh, I do recommend that. So my recommendation is an article in The Economist, and the title is, The Israel-UAE Deal is Good News for a Troubled Region. And uh, I think that uh, it uh, highlights very well what Ophir has been telling us. Uh, here's a little excerpt. Uh, the authors wrote, this reflects a remarkable, remarkable changes that have already taken place. A part of the world once defined by Arab-Israeli hostilities is no longer so. Countries increasingly look towards the future, not the past when shaping their policies. 
So yeah, not a long article. Good. Uh, you know, I always appreciate the economist overview because uh, very international writing, very international focused and in good context for someone like me who, uh, you know, I've, the hostilities have been happening since uh, before I was born. So it's nice to get perspective from those who have been around much longer uh, on how this uh, how this changes the region or how it reflects rather the changes that have been happening. Uh, so that's my recommendation. Uh, Ophir, we want to thank you again for uh, for being on the show with us. We appreciate uh, learning from you and, and are excited to hear about the positive business developments uh, just recently, but also, uh, you know, that have been trending in Israel in the last uh, last couple of decades. Yeah. Thank you, Jonathan and Fred, for hosting me. And and if I may, I, fi- I finish uh, our uh, conversation with a say that I, I heard in the news from a guy in, in the street in, in the Amorites. He was saying it's easier to have conversation uh, with a friend than with an enemy. And therefore, let's promote the friendships and then we are, we are able to get to the common ground. So, and, and I think that this is a good positive note. I agree that that's a that's a great way to to put an end to the podcast. So, again, thank you for 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 sitting down with us, and we we look forward to having you on the podcast again. Great, thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. We look forward to connecting with you on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and anywhere else you want to find us. Until next week.